Let's open to the book of Revelation, chapter 7, this morning. Book of Revelation, chapter 7. I wanted to look at hurrying home this morning. Revelation, chapter 7. The Apostle John uh, uh, is writing. Beginning with verse 13, notice what he has to say to us. Then one of the elders answered me, answered saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. He said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every fear, tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to be in your house. It's good to have family and friends with us. Uh, Father, I thank you uh, that our church has a place for everybody. And I thank you, Father, for um, the people who make it so. And Father, it's because we know you uh, that we care for others. We love you because you first loved us. Father, you've spoken to us through the Sunday school hour, through the singing. My prayer is that you make it very clear and understandable, your word, during this preaching time. Father, let Jesus be lifted up and let him be glorified. Especially, I pray for those who have never publicly accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that you would convict them about their need to do that this very hour. As we leave this place, we will say it's been good to be in your house. And we praise you for all these things beforehand, knowing you will answer our prayers. In Christ's name, amen. We may not want to admit it, but soon life will be over. And for each of us, either Jesus comes back or we die. Now, that's not to be pessimistic. But what it is is to remind us that time does not wait for any of us. Time simply marches on until God calls a halt to it. And whether we want to realize it or not, as a Christian, we're hurrying toward home. Because heaven is our eternal home, the dwelling place of the saints. Uh, Elizabeth and I had the privilege of pastoring German Baptist Church in German, Texas, while we were in seminary. And... Uh, Great little church. German is J-E-R-M-Y-N, if you were wondering, not the other way. And uh, that we, we preached there for several months doing the interim basis, and they finally decided to call a vote and see, see if they'd call us. I was so proud. It was seven to one. I thought, who was the one? There's only eight of y'all here. But I found out who the one was because she told me. And her name was Rena Mae Grizzle. Uh, she lived up to her name, Grizzle. She, uh, how do I want to say it? She was a very nice lady, but if you got on her bad side, she could be a grizzly bear. And we got on her good side. And she just 
took us in and just started loving on us and doing things of that nature. And and uh, she told me one time, Brother Gary, I wish I wouldn't have voted no. That's how I found out. I said, well, tell me, why did you vote no? Was I too 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 young or too dumb? Or And she said, yeah, both those things. But mainly... <laughs> Mainly, she said, I could not hear you. I talk so softly, and y'all sort of wonder about that now, don't you? And Elizabeth had even asked her mom if I was ever going to make a preacher. I heard it. She denies it, but I heard it. But the best thing about that church, for me, wasn't just the wonderful people. The only air conditioning in the church was the biggest window unit I've ever seen, and it was right there where the piano was, and I had to preach above that for them to hear me. And pretty soon they found out he's not quiet anymore. After we left there and went to our second church, it had just been a few weeks, somebody from the church called me and told me that Rena May had died. And uh, I use that illustration because it's how she died. Every morning she got up early, about 4 o'clock, between 4 and 5, and she got on her walker because she had heart problems. The doctor said, keep exercising. And so she got on her walker and walked. After she finished that, she'd get dressed, and then she'd sit at her table and drink her coffee and then do the day's business. And that's what she did that morning. She didn't show up at church, and they was worried because she always told people when she was going to be gone. They found her after the sheriff opened the door, sitting at her coffee table in her Sunday best, ready to go to church. The coffee cup was cold, and the Lord had come and taken her home. Now, I say that with great confidence because she was a Christian. I say that because knowing Christ the Savior gives us victory. See, it's victory over death, victory over sin, victory over the problems of this life. Knowing Christ the Savior is to be lived out day by day and that we have victory in Him. And so as we prepare and remember that we're all hurrying towards home as Christians, and those of you that aren't Christians, you're hurrying towards someplace else. That's the nicest way I'll say it the rest of the sermon. There's some things that need to happen and three things we need to remember. First of all is this, in verse 14, the preparation we must make. The preparation we must make. And that's what it says in chapter 7. Uh, Look at verses 13 and 14 with me. One of the elders answered me saying, Who are these arrayed in White robes. And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The preparation we must make is, first of all, personal. You see, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a head knowledge. It's a surrender of life and all that that means to you, to Him as your Savior. It means you've come in faith that only He can save you. You've repented of your sins and you believe in Jesus. That's what He meant when He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Too many people want to say, oh, there's other ways. Well, you can't find that in the Bible that there's other ways. Either Jesus told the truth or he was the biggest liar there ever was. He said he came to seek and to save the lost. He said it was the only way to heaven. He died just as he said he would on a cross. He rose from the dead and he ascended to the Father. He was not a liar. It takes a personal relationship. 
We need to understand that. Jesus also told Nicodemus that night. Nicodemus came to him. He said, he said, you must be born again. To be born again means to be born from above. It's a spiritual work of God through the Holy Spirit. We are born again into the kingdom of God. He said, you have to be born of water, naturally, physically. And you have to be born of the Spirit, spiritually. That comes from God drawing us. It comes from us accepting Christ. You have to be born again or you don't see heaven. If you have one birth, you have two deaths. Physical, and then when they throw you into the lake of fire. If you have two births, you have one death. Physical, and the rest is taken care of. It takes a personal relationship. But the second thing I want you to know is, not only is it personal, it is by blood. When the elder asked him, who are these people and where did they come from? John answers honestly, I don't know. You know, sir. And the elder goes on and tells him what he knows. It's by blood. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, they, they have accepted Christ and they have died for Christ. You see, we need to understand that John knew all about suffering. He knew about having to die for Christ. John was probably the last of the apostles to die for Christ, and it wasn't for lack of trying. The Emperor Domitian, at the time he wrote this, about 95 A.D., was persecuting Christians all over the Roman Empire. Domitian had ordered that he be boiled in oil. They put him in oil. I'm sure it hurt. He had the scars, but it didn't kill him. And he, so he was exiled as a, as a threat to the empire on the Isle of Patmos where Jesus revealed the revelation to him of the end time. But John is watching and he sees all these people, maybe some of the ones he knew who were martyred and others, and then a great crowd from the great tribulation time that were wearing the white robes. But it was by blood, it was by the blood of Christ that they were made and washed. Hebrews 9.22 says it this way, Without the shedding of blood there is no remission or forgiveness of sins. Do we understand that? You see, God even called to us and, 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 and his people. And he said in Isaiah chapter 1, if I can get there, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. He says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. See, it's telling us about the relationship. It's telling us that it's by blood. It's telling us those things that we need to do. Are we washed by the blood of the Lamb? You may not know the name Philip Symmetrius. Philip Symmetrius was the first ones, the first physician we know of that figured out why women in his day were dying uh, right after or during childbirth. They called it childbirth fever. But he had figured it out. A physician at that day started his, his work day like this. He would go into the, to the room where the cadavers were and he would perform autopsies. And then they'd go in and examine these pregnant women, how close they were and different things. The deal was they didn't wash their hands between one and the next. And he began to show them that, that even the best hospitals was losing one in six women to childbirth fever. And yet... He was losing one in 50 because he constantly washed his hands 
before he did any procedures after the autopsies. They laughed him to death. He was from Hungary. They said, no loudmouth Hungarian's going to tell us what to do. And the nurses and everybody else in the medical field laughed at him no matter what his work was. They, they scorned him. They made fun of him. They drove him literally insane because he died in an insane institution at the age of 47. And what drove him crazy, he could still hear the women screaming from the fevers that if they would just listen and wash their hands. We need to be washed in the blood. You see, King David, after his sin with Bathsheba, said, Wash me and I shall be clean. John the Baptist told them they need to be washed to have their sins forgiven. He would wash them in water by baptism, but there was one coming that would wash them by the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus himself, as he's draped in a towel and washing the disciples' feet, when he comes to Peter, he says, you're not going to wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash you, you have nothing to do with me. It wasn't the water that saves, it's the blood of Jesus. See, we need to ask ourselves, do we, do we realize that? In our hymnal, we have a, a hymn. There is a fountain. Y'all know it? Do you know it? There is Filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. I don't have the right key. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all. Lose all their guilty stains. That's theological. Yeah, I know I need the choir. No comments from the peanut gallery back there. I knew to get with Elizabeth or Brother Ronnie and get me on the right track. I didn't do it. But do you see what I'm talking about? It takes a personal relationship by the blood of Christ to hurry home to heaven. If you've never accepted Jesus and asked him to save you, if you've never made that public, you're not headed to heaven. You're hurrying towards the second death called hell. Well, I don't like that and I don't believe that. Then prove it from, from their Bible that I'm wrong. You can't. Do I like preaching that? No, I want everybody to go to heaven and so does God because he said, God is not slack concerning his promises towards us, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Not all will, but that's what he wants. See, it takes a personal preparation. Have you prepared to meet the Savior. Could you say what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12? I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have given him against that day. Do we know that? The second thing is this. Not only the preparation we must make, but the participation we shall share. The participation we shall share. Look at, at verse 15. It says this, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. <coughs> and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. See, we share in that participation. We'll be with our heavenly father. He says they'll be before the throne of God. I want you to think about that. 
In heaven we're before God's own throne. There's nothing separating us. No more sin. No more sorrow. No more bad actions. We're there before God's throne worshiping our Savior. Enjoying the presence of others that have gone on before us. But not only that, we shall serve our Heavenly Father. Sit there before the throne to serve Him. Do you understand? Heaven isn't just us floating around on a cloud playing a harp. Somebody said, I'd like to see you floating around on a cloud saying a harp. I said, no, that would be heaven. That would be hell. There are going to be things for us to do in heaven. Service to render to our God. It's not going to be boring. It would be work without all the pain and suffering and drudgery and people not getting along and, and it being, ugh. It'll be good. It'll be what God intended it to be when he put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, you tend it without sin. Without the toil of work and the curse that was accepted by sin. So we're before the throne to serve him. We'll have fellowship with other believers. Isn't that, isn't that something? You know, there's, there's nothing like a church work day. You say, oh, I don't, I don't like Yeah, you do. We gather together. We make fun of each other. Where's James Gilliland at? He says, don't point me out. That's Julio, by the way. Julio the straw boss. I didn't know what that was. I had to look it up. That's what he called me, and so that's what I call him. And we'd be out here working and doing stuff on the on the pavement out here. And, and that was Julio. Several others worked with us. What I found out is the work accomplished as we work together is a wonderful thing. It's a blessing to fellowship with other believers. You see, we're going to do that and fellowship with other believers. And God, it says God will be with them in their midst. God is with us. Ah, oh, no more barriers. I like the story of that Brother Creese told me. He had a little boy. Came to church on their van every day, every Sunday. And he got a little note from the boy and said, Dear God, that's what he thought Brother Creese was. Dear God, we had a good time at church today. I wish you could have been there. Now, we laugh at that. But are you without God this morning? Do you feel the presence of God? See, otherwise, we just well change the name to Gasville Country Club. Because we're here to worship Him. We're here to serve Him. We're here to proclaim His message to the lost and dying world that there's hope. And that it is good to be a Christian. And that it is a blessing to be saved. And our world needs to hear that because right now they think we're irrelevant. We're those stodgy people that believe that dusty book. Is your Bible dusty? Because if your Bible's dusty, your relationship's dusty. Is it well worn? Just say yes, Brother Gary. Okay. And another thing that I'm going to chase this rabbit before I'm done. You should be praying all through the week that God meets with us every time we meet as a group. That the Holy Spirit has power and freedom. I've told you before, you should pray that as soon as somebody steps on our parking lot, the Holy Spirit greets them. And if they're lost, He convicts them before they come in the doors. If you're not praying that, 
you're failing in your mission as a church member. Well, they got quiet, didn't they? You should have said amen so I wouldn't think you wasn't praying. Y'all got to get clued in this morning. Come on. The third thing is this. We have a personal preparation to make. We have participation we share. But we have the provision we shall enjoy. The provision we shall enjoy. Look at, look at verses 16 and 17. Y'all need to get excited about this. If you're not excited to go, about, to, go to heaven, I, I don't know about you. I can't wait to see what it is. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see my mama. I can't wait to see Brother and Mrs. Crease. I can't wait to see Brother Bill Philber who helped me. I can't wait to see uh, Rena Mae Grizzle and all those precious saints that God allowed me to pastor. Oh, it's going to be good. And if y'all don't think it's going to be good, something's wrong with your gooder. I know that's not a word, okay? Elizabeth, don't mark that one against me. You know, when we first pastored that little church, it was an hour and 45 minutes back, and I noticed she always took a legal pad with her into the services. Didn't have kids at that time, so she could listen and write. An hour and 45 minutes after we got home, she had told me every word I said wrong and how I'd used it wrong in the syntax and, and that I needed to cut this out or I needed to lengthen this. Or I said, honey, I know you're trying to make me a better preacher, but could you wait till Monday to do that? <laughs> but for the first four months we pastored, that's what she did. And hopefully it made me better. If not, don't tell her. Verses 16 and 17, the provision we shall share. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. Notice. For the Lamb who's in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What is the provision we shall enjoy? The first one is all needs shall be met. Jesus is in our midst. He's shepherding us. What does a shepherd do? We don't know about shepherds in America, you know. Shepherds lead sheep. Shepherds make them find good pastures. Shepherds make them lie down. Shepherds lead them beside still waters. Shepherds take their rod and their staff and comfort them. And the shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus himself will be in our midst and meet our needs. Fountains of living water. And then, not only will he meet our needs... You need to understand something. Jesus is the one who meets them. See, he provided for us on the cross. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us even now. Jesus looked through history and he saw some of you that hadn't made a decision yet. He says, Father, that one needs to make a decision. That one needs to come to Christ. And he's looking at you this morning with an opportunity saying, are you going to come? He's looking at some of you and you're hurt. You're tired. And he says, I am the good shepherd. Come to me. All ye who are heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Every need met, and Jesus shall meet them. Xenophon was a, a Greek general. He marched into Persia and invaded it, but he was not successful. They were coming back 
to their ships because they'd been defeated and endured so many hardships. And they fought all the way back to their ships. They were pushed back. When they finally topped the hill and they could see the sea and their ships, a shout went up. The Persians wondered what was happening. They knew that when they boarded, it was just a safe little journey back across the sea. And with any luck at all, they would be home in a couple of days. Take your eyes off the world and look. Look to Jesus, the safe ship. Look to Jesus because I'm not trying to scare you. But we don't know the hour of our visitation. Just as Rena May had planned on going to church that morning and her morning time was interrupted, she went to church, the best church, heaven itself. Are you ready to make that trip? If you're not, you need to accept Christ as your Savior. If you're not living for Jesus, you need to rededicate your life to Him. If you don't have a church home, and you've been visiting and visiting, and you know this is where God wants you, you need to join by baptism or letter of statement, how we receive members. But you need to serve Jesus here in preparation of serving Him there. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us a hymn invitation. You don't wait. You do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Don't look around, worrying about what others think. You just do what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you do for us. Right now we're here, not by chance or happenstance. We're here by divine appointment. You wanted to talk to us and we need to make decisions. Help us make them publicly for the honor and glory of Jesus. And be glorified in our midst. In Christ's name, amen.